Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Pastor John and Pastor Kenny as we talk about the kickoff to our series in Advent called Born. And we also discuss the challenges and joys of revisiting the old, old story of Jesus' birth and the preparation for that each and every year. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome back, everybody, to episode number 20 of Armchair Preaching. We are back in the armchairs here in my office and uh, missed everybody uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. Had to take a little break for Thanksgiving. A little hard to um, get get everybody's schedules together in a short week. Um, but glad to have you guys back. It's yep. Good to be back. You guys have, a, and you really do have armchairs. These for are armchair preaching. Every single one of the chairs in my <laughs> office, except for the one in the corner, is an armchair. Um, you guys have good Thanksgivings. Yeah, it was great. We had our our daughter and son-in-law down. Got to go over to. Clearwater, waiting on twin babies to be born. So it was a great time. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just hung out here, and we were actually the host site for our, our lunch, our big family lunch, and it was kind of fun. So I had kind of a staycation. I took four or five days off that week and just kind of hung around here, and it was nice. Yeah. The weather's gorgeous right now. Oh, man. Oh, it was picture, yeah. postcard weather. Yeah. We were up in Jacksonville. Um, my uh, my wife's brother and his wife and two, two, son, two young sons, uh, we all go up to Jacksonville. Typically, we go up to Alabama first, but because of the way the schedule was this year, we didn't go to Alabama. Um, so we just went to, to Jacksonville and just hung out. Didn't really do a whole lot. Went to the movies and ate way too much. Ate a lot. We ate, ate a lot. Ate yeah. a lot. It was more than... And we still left stuff. Like, there was still stuff that we could have eaten, which is insane. Um, now into full-on kind of Christmas mode, and that's where we are this week. We started Advent, um, started a new series, the the Born series, not not Jason Born. Get excited to start talking about the Born supremacy. <laughs> hey, you know, we got to work that in this month. We got to hey, work listen, that in. That's right. That's that's definitely going to uh, probably <laughs> enter into the equation. Maybe this yeah. week, actually, because uh, my sermon for this Sunday is not yet written. So it's uh, it might, might, it might... a lot more men would be attending if we did a Born <laughs> series. <laughs> so when we go, when we enter into these sorts of seasons, like um, like Advent, there's a certain. Uh, expectation from the congregations about what you're going to preach and how you're going to preach and and the music and and we cycle through these like everyone else um, except we're having to prepare messages and when you enter into these seasons where there are this 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 kind of elevated expectation about what people are going to hear that they don't typically have at the other times in, in what we call common time or ordinary time in the church calendar uh, how, what are the challenges or the joys and encouragements that you kind of find when you are preparing for these sorts of series, you know, these messages? What about you, John? Well, the first, as you were saying, the first thing I think about is that how it's interesting that we preach the birth narratives, the birth of Jesus, Jesus narratives at this time of year. But I can't remember doing, doing much, if anything, with the birth narratives outside of this time of year. Other than talking about them and 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 just you know talking about the incarnation, it's yeah. important. But to actually preach on that outside of this time of year, outside of this time of year, seemed very strange. So there is something very unique about this and kind of odd that we only 
relegate it to this time of year. Yeah, I do think that there's, I do the, I do feel the expectations that we are going to be covering the the, the birth narratives. Yeah, um, and rightly so. Um, uh, although I can think of some preachers that I've heard about that if they're in a pre, if they're preaching through the Book of Romans. On, on December 20th, they're preaching on whatever patches of the Book of Romans they're on. Yeah. And they'll tie mm-hmm. Jesus' birth into it somehow or another, but yeah. They're, yeah. they're not stopping for anything. Yeah, so. I've heard of that too. Yeah. One of the things I think about when you're asked, and you ask a question, though, is, is what, do I, what, what goes through my mind? Um, and that is there's so much that happens culturally around this time of year. But I feel like it's important to—and I did this this week, and I, it's a habit of mine this time of year—is to— to, to just set this stage of peel back the layers, yeah. like peeling back the layers of what, what is it that's, that's central to what this time of year is all about. Yeah. And so it's really important for me to, I think it's one of the challenges is to break through that cloud of, of distraction that is mm-hmm. all around us. And so part of, part of the challenge that I feel is breaking through that cloud of distraction to get back to an incredible story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the seminal story of God becoming flesh and blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Kenny? Yeah, I, I think that I think that the the two challenges that I think just personally as a as a pastor and a preacher, I think it's it's uh, trying to approach the the task of preaching in a in a series um, around like Christmas or Easter in a fresh way. Like you feel like however many years you do ministry, however many sermons you've preached, it begins to stack up, and you begin to think, well, man, how many different ways can I come at? Jesus's birth or what what kind of unique uh, angle can I come at so I think just personally you feel the pressure of coming up with something new or fresh or novel and um, and I don't know that necessarily people expect that but I think I think I feel it but um, but I, I wonder in one of the preaching classes I was in in seminary the 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 preaching professor just said, he said, stop thinking that way. People just want to hear the simple story. Just give them the simple story. Don't try to, not that you can't put creative energy into it and try to think of, of new angles or whatever, but he just said, don't, don't exhaust yourself trying to tell some other version of the story. It's, it's an incredible story. Just tell it like it is, you know, and that's what people have come to hear. Um, yeah. Especially people who've not been in the church for many other Sundays that year when they come, they... They want to hear that story, and so, so I. But I think the challenge is you f- you feel the pressure to do something extra, something so profoundly different, um, and so trying to find that balance, I think, is challenging. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I get I, I get into that mentality of you know trying to say it differently, you know, but I I think you know you're right, people. There's something very comforting about going back to this really incredible. I, I think for me, the challenge is it, it for the those that have been in the church, myself included, those that have heard the story over and over and over again. And it's not just this story, but you can even go into the 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 crucifixion and and resurrection and the, the those narratives that we 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 trod on at, at around Easter and and in Lent. Um, those stories that we hear over and over again, making 
myself included, feel the gravity every single time about how yeah. incredible it is and and giving myself uh, and the, thus the congregation the 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 miracle of this is it we've it's ordinary because we hear the old old story over and over, but it's still incredible every single time. Mm-hmm. Just because you've heard it so many times does not diminish its 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 marvelousness one ounce. In fact, I think the fact that we get the opportunity to tread that territory, that narrative territory over and over over again gives us the opportunity to continue to see nuances in this incredible, marvelous, wonderful story that maybe we hadn't mm-hmm. seen and, before. And there's, there's where yeah. the freshness comes in you know, that you were talking about, Kenny. And it's funny you were talking about that because as I was listening to you, I found myself thinking about the fact that this is such a familiar story yeah. that you're telling because you were telling the story about the, you know, the, the birth and the hope that come, comes out of it. And I thought, I mean, I didn't. It wasn't a conscious thought till you, till you just were saying this. That one of the one of the gifts we give to ourselves, and we as preachers give to our congregation, and is the gift of slowing down yeah. to hear that story again, mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. us through the story again, just to walk us through this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Because there's a tendency. I know I have the tendency, and I think there's a tendency in most people to say, "Oh, I already know the. I already know what that's about." To jump ahead. I already know, mm-hmm. but they. But in doing that, you miss the nuances, which you were just talking about, yeah. and you really miss the richness of the story. You miss yeah. the depth of the, of the story. So part of the privilege and I think the challenge, privilege we have and then the challenge for the listeners is to be able to slow down long enough to hear the story in its fullness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and be amazed once again by it. I, I think that's, you know— I, I think, uh, you know, when we're, when we, when we're in, approaching Advent— and we've talked about this a lot, Kenny. Um, I know you and I have when we've been in Vine, uh, addressing the folks for whom Advent is not a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you didn't grow up in a church that you, you could be a church going person and have never experienced the season of Advent, you know, it's, it's Christmas season, and so every week is Christmas mm-hmm. time. We, in our tradition and other mainline traditions, you have this season called Advent where there's a, a building process. It's an anticipation that you're building towards that and, and addressing the fact that we're in a time of, of, of building anticipation. We're not jumping from, you know, common time to the birth of Jesus. We're unpacking. We'd start doing that this week, and we continue to build towards it in the weeks to come. But, but why, did, why was it even necessary that Jesus showed up? You know, why was that important? Um, that's what, to me, at least, when I go to the Advent story, I, I'm to the Advent season, I'm saying, um, unpacking why is this necessary. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I th- in Vine, um, and I think we're, uh, I think the assumption is, and I think it's partly accurate, that, that Vine has attracted lots of people who don't come from a church background or come from other church backgrounds. Yeah. And, uh, and so I know in Vine, we've always been pretty conscious about that. And John did a great job this past, uh, this past Sunday, right before the family came up to do the Advent reading, to just describe and explain what that word means, what yeah. that means in a liturgical calendar, if you haven't come from that kind of a church background. And I think that helps, because then all of a sudden, if you didn't come from that background, now you're kind of in the know, yeah. and, it, and it helps you understand it and even experience it. Uh, in a much richer way, I think. Yeah. And one of the things I appreciated that you did is you, because we we had talked about 
doing that at that moment before the family came up, but yeah. you you did it at the beginning of the sermon. Yeah, talking about so, New Year's Day. <laughs> so even in even in the classic service, which you would think these are well seasoned you know, Christians, yeah. long time long time Christians, you're not. I, I think it's fair just to, to not mm-hmm. make the assumption that everybody in that room understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basic things about the, the our tradition and what have it means. So you 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 laid it out there, and those who did understand it got to hear it again. Yeah, and those who didn't got got to help. Yeah. With. Well, and that came out. I mean, going into the the message a little bit, that actually came out of our conversation. You know, for those that I mean, most people probably don't know. I mean, they've got to assume that we plan these services; they don't just happen. But we were at worship planning, and Mary McKee, one of our uh, one of our so uh, not an associate pastor, but one of our colleagues in ministry, she's retired. Uh, uh, great track record in in the church. She's helped us out a lot. She was sitting and talking about the Advent calendar. And the thing that she said that jumped out, talk about the nuance and the new things, is the reminder for me that Advent is the start of our calendar. Mm-hmm. And, and I know at the Advent season, I know it's the start of our calendar, but it that's a reorientation of thinking. You, and so you said, let me be the first to tell you. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Because it's the first, and that to me... It re- reorients our thinking and again goes back to what you're saying John go gets us to a place where we slow down because in our culture it's it's holiday to holiday right it's 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 new year's day to valentine's day to easter to you know memorial day july 4th labor day uh, october thanksgiving christmas i mean that just those high points in in the church calendar one of the things i've come to appreciate it in being in the main line is to say no no there are big moments there are these big high water moments in the calendar but there's always a build up right there's always a build up and then a time where we really um, can celebrate that, and I think for those that don't know this, and, and no, probably most people don't know this, Christmas is twelve days. <laughs> it really is twelve days, and there are churches, and we're going to be one of them this time around, where we actually preach Christmas not just one Sunday or one Christmas Eve service, but we're going to take it through the twenty ninth and through the fifth mm-hmm. up until Epiphany and on January twelfth, and that's a little teaser for what's to come. But but it's because we. We get our give ourselves time to kind of settle into it, right? And I think that's a really the alternative uh, would be the alternative would be to go from Christ the King Sunday, which is the last Sunday of the year, yeah. which is you know Christ is King to yeah. He is born. Yeah, you go, you're up and you're up again. Yeah, so there's no there is no build up. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and one of the things that we did this, I think both of us did this Sunday was to try to unpack uh, why. You know why was it necessary? Um, we live in a broken and fallen and and uh, a hopeless kind of world. And I loved the the opening illustration, John, that you had with, with the uh, fisherman um, lost at sea for fourteen months. Mm. It was an incredible image of man. What would that be like to be out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? For fourteen months on a twenty-five foot open boat, and you find out who you are. Yeah, at a time like that, and you understand how important hope is, mm-hmm. right? Um, talk to me, John, about how you how you you think through um, taking people low into the the brokenness, or, or talking about the brokenness in order to set up that that hope uh, the 
kind of the the, the resolution of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your mentality when? And we do this on in other tr- sermons, but this ser- this ser- sermon particularly um, was important that we do that. So talk to me about your kind of approach to that. Yeah, Kenny, you mentioned uh, the preaching class, and, and one of my preaching classes, uh, Doctor Bartow was uh, um, was had us. Uh, he said to us that the the good news. He said it this way: the good news has to be gooder than the bad news is bad. Yeah. Always well, stood out with me. The good, mm-hmm. and and he was saying that as a critique of of, uh, of a classmate's sermon that that the bad news was was really bad, and the good news never quite overcame the the bad news in terms of weight in the sermon. Yeah. So one of the things is, that governs anything that I'm doing when there's when you're talking about the problems that existed in the world, the problems of darkness and all of this, the, the the issues of sin, the issues of evil, the issues of death, was to make sure that that as I talk about that. After I talk about that, the answer to that, the response of God, is infinitely stronger, infinitely overcomes overcomes all of that. Mm-hmm. So the hope has to be this radiant—in this case, it was the hope has to be this radiant hope that any anxiety that's created, any frustrations, any fears uh, that are cre- created, it can, it's just overshadowed by that. So part of, it's, part of it is a balancing act, uh, mm-hmm. making sure that the balance is tipping to the—you know, to, you're talking about the—, the Reveling in the story and just the the awe of that story. Make sure that all that story is connected to to a a real, yeah, um, a, a truth that that is is greater than any any possible experience, including fourteen months out of out at sea. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. yeah, which seems seems kind of impossible, but it, I mean it is. Um, at the same time, you know, y- y- we do have to talk about the darkness in order to demonstrate how light. The, I mean, I, I read something and I can't remember where it was. I, I think it was in a in study notes someplace of a study Bible that said people don't really understand how important water is until they're really, really thirsty, you know, until they understand what dryness feels like. Um, and um, I think that's that's an important thing, but to also say, well, the, 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 the quenching of that thirst is, is it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting, if, if I may, yeah. but I thought it was interesting that you, you we both did something similar, that we, we talked about what hope is in general usage. Yeah. And then we talked about what hope is in gospel meaning. Yeah, and I wanted, I'd be curious to hear how you were thinking about that uh, that definition of what we mean when we say hope. Yeah, well, and I I thought uh, when you, you did the Piper uh, delineation of of how we use the word hope and how it's uh, the biblical view is just really the opposite. Um, the The way I approach it is was not as technical, but more. You know, when we when we think of the things that we hope in, it is a is based on desire. It's based on what we assume could happen. It's like you were saying. It's, there's no certainty in our usage of the word hope, typically. And I, I'll never forget. I went through a period of time where I um, I was like a glutton for punishment. I would start to. Um, I, I, this was my seminary time, and I was thinking about uh, people who had been adamant church uh, goers or called themselves Christians that had left the church and, and become atheists or, or agnostics. And there's actually whole communities online. You can find them. And uh, I went to some of these websites to just kind of see what what is it. And I'll never forget... I've done that before. Uh, and, and, and sometimes I was really a glutton for punishment. I start to challenge them in that <laughs> oh, mode. Oh, um, I haven't done that. And that, that's, that <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't. You have to be really in a good place to do it. I mean, it's not fun, and I don't. I don't do it anymore because <laughs> it's tough. I mean, because they they go after you pseudo intellectual kind of way. Um, but one of the r- rationalities that someone gave was the biblical 
uh, definition of hope from the book of Hebrews uh, for faith, or, or with faith. You know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, um, the evidence of things unseen. And, and he took that term of hope. I'll never forget this, because this is one of those ones I entered into and challenged, that they were using that term hope in that uh, wishful desire of something that's un, that's not certain. And I'm saying, that's not really how it works. You know, it's not biblical hope. And so when I approached it this time around, I, I, I took the, this time of year, there, we always use that language of hope. You know, we use the language of hope as I hope I get this, or my kids say, I hope I get this Lego set or this doll or whatever. Why, why uh, can't they hope for pencils? And... Yeah, that's right. And not, <laughs> not the ordinary, because that's not what we hope for at all. We don't hope for yeah. ordinary things. I mean, typically yeah. we hope for extraordinary, yeah. and yet Jesus comes to give us something extraordinary, but he doesn't come in this this extraordinary way. Um, and looking back at the Isaiah suffering servant and and then projecting forward to what... Isaiah later says in Isaiah 60, um, and, and other places about that hope. So for me, um, it is important to address those sorts of things. And we're going to have to do that again, I think, this week, too, mm-hmm. because we're going to be jumping into the idea of peace. And again, peace, as mm-hmm. the world understands peace, and I don't want to give too much away, but the, as the world understands peace is vastly different than how the Bible talks about peace. I think, But I think love and joy are going to... F- be the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Thing, that, that what mm-hmm. we mean by love is not that I love chocolate. It means that it, you know there's there's this greater sacrificial. You know, so so the words themselves uh, need to be unpacked each each week. Yeah, because the 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 secular use of it is very different. Yeah, and 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 I think that ties into the not just the secular use, but also the secular use in this season, right? I mean, we're uh, we're going to hear people. Christian, non-Christian, they talk about hope all the time, but it is definitely not the same kind of hope that we're that we're 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 mm-hmm. diving into. You know, as you're saying that, it um, the reason why a Jose Alvarenga that I led with mm-hmm. that story that I led with could have that, or the reason why we would we we could we could challenge the definition on a on a on an agnostic or atheist website like that, and with you're you're defining it incorrectly is because there's been, and this is this is this would be in the category of that which was left out of yeah. the sermon, is that we, we didn't really talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have come to this faith, and out of, out of this faith, there's a certainty about there, there's a certainty. That's there's that word again. Yeah, out of this out of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we have certainty. Yeah, and uh, that's not something. That's another another one of those not to rush by too quickly mm-hmm. because we. Um, we can get caught up in ton in our vision field of vision can narrow because of our circumstances of yeah. life, especially when they're difficult circumstances, and completely lose sight of the fact that there's this grounding. And so we, we both talked about the anchor. You know, you yeah. spent some time on it. Mm-hmm. There's this firm anchor yeah. inside of us, and that that's something we didn't cause. Yeah, that is something the Holy Spirit was uh, caused in us, yeah. but it is in us, and yeah. sometimes we lose sight of that. Well, the Hebrews writer. Um, does a lot with imagery, and that when I hit that that word anchor, I'm like, man, that is, he's not messing around. Uh, there's a reason that he's using that term and terminology, especially for Jewish people. If you you know, if, if if as we believe, he's writing to a Jewish audience. That's so why we call it the Book of Hebrews. They were not a seafaring people, right? So to to use a a, a word, but this is one of those doesn't get into the sermon, but like they're not a seafaring people. So he's using a a sea uh, faring image for people who are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
you know, that's that's not from our kind of neck of the woods, you know. But it's also out of their deepest fears because exactly. they were seafaring people. The waters were a very threatening, intimidating place. Yeah. And to not have an anchor while you're also scared to death of the water or the storms or the possibilities or the deep yeah. uh, would be... Um, and they know. would have known about anchors. They would have known what an anchor is. Sure, yeah. Of course, yeah. How, how it worked. And then I think the genius of that was to, to, to take all that meaning of what an anchor is and attach it to the soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There is this anchor in your, firmly in your soul. Yeah. 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 What a beautiful image, man. Yeah. You know, that got me thinking as we're just talking now about the images of Advent and Christmas. And so this is kind of break away a little bit from our from the topic on the sermon. But, um, you know, this season we have a lot of images, you know, Christmas trees. And, and you guys are sitting in my office and you obviously know that I like the images of Christmas because I have two, three Christmas trees in my office. It even smells like Christmas office. in here. It does. I feel like I'm in a pine forest. And that's right. And uh, lights and candles and all those things represented in my office right now. Kenny, what, what do you have in your office right now? <laughs> I got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah. You got nothing. But if there's an image for you, you guys, during this season, when it comes to, give me anything, when it comes to um, uh, how you feel about this this time, the, the Advent season, this build up. Is there one image that you just like rally to and go, man? This is this is the thing that gives me the the that that Christmas Advent uh, ties me to this the spiritual more than anything else. Is there one of those for you guys? Well, you, you, you said Advent. I my first image for the entire season is the the manger. Yeah. Uh, there was a line, and I heard it when I was doing college ministry right out of seminary, and it was, um, and I'm pretty sure it's a C.S. Lewis line, um, and it was that uh, uh, that which was in the manger was infinitely more than that which be, was outside of the manger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it it is that the the you know the manger scene for me because yeah, and, and it's only and it's only as I think about what just happened there. Yeah. God. The God of the universe became flesh and blood. That's crazy. Yeah. What about you, Kenny? Yeah, I, I, for me, it's um, it's actually you know we talked about that at the Advent season. There's an expectation and and even a, a tendency for us to focus on the narrative. But um, actually, I I go to for whatever reason light. You know that yeah. idea of John one and how mm-hmm. he how he kind of conceptualizes what the arrival of Jesus meant um, existentially or within the context of human history of, of, of painting things as there's kind of a darkness and a chaos. And into that, Jesus steps in as the baby born in the manger and and, and sheds light, brings light. Um, yeah. So for me, when we get to the candlelight services and we finally get to the Christ candle, that mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that idea of light and darkness, which is captured in a lot of ways, you think about our Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you look at them. Yeah. You know, some people just see Christmas lights. It's, oh, that that takes away. That's not about Jesus or whatever. But, but really if you have is. the idea of Jesus as the light that mm-hmm. breaks into the world, mm-hmm. then you can see all those things Very. through that. Yeah. Uh, lens and and you're able to kind of celebrate and see all that. So for yeah. me, it's the light and the darkness. Yeah, I love that. How about you? Well, for me, I mean, I tie it, tie it to what Kenny said about about light because I love Christmas lights. I don't think that's a shock to anybody that knows my. If you go inside my house, it's like a it's like a 
it's like a Christmas workshop in my house, just all the lights and everything because we we do we do it big. What's the but, guy from What's the guy from Christmas Vacation? Now, yeah, the outside's not Clark, quite. Clark, now, Gris, Clark Griswold. Know, Clark Griswold. My wife does the. She did the outside this year. It looks spectacular. I was not. I was kind of tired. And I was like, I can't do the outside. She's like, I want to do the outside. And I came out and helped just a tiny little bit. But for me, taking that light thing, um, I love the candles. Uh, that not just the lights, but specifically the candles, because there's something, um, I love the electric lights and all that, but I, I really do, but it's, um, there's something more visceral about a candle, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's also a danger to the candle. There's something um, that, and to me, that 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 kind of plays into the, the image of, of, of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus comes to be uh, the Savior of the world, but he's also there to do battle, right? I mean, um, I was reading with the Advent wreath with my kids and um, reading from Isaiah, uh, and uh, and the the image of the blood-stained battle gear, you know, in Isaiah nine, you know, he starts talking about that. I'm like, this is one of our this is one of our Advent readings, you know. And I had to tell my kids it's because Jesus doesn't just come as a baby in a manger; but he comes to do battle against the sin and the brokenness, and there's mm-hmm. a danger to that and there's there's something profound about that and so the candlelight thing for me is 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 huge and and every time we do the advent lightings in, in our services I always think of the times in which a candle fell a girl's hair caught on fire um cuz it does happen I've here? seen it uh not here I don't know it's probably happened here it's a 138 year old church so I'm <laughs> sure it's happened at some but I've been at services where a girl's hair caught on fire um my my own cat uh back this is a long time ago we were lit- lighting the candle and the cat walks by and her tail caught on fire and I grabbed a hold of her tail and, but it's but it, and that's a, a funny story but it, it the candle representing the light of Jesus Christ, there's a danger to this, right? And it's not a danger to those of us who follow Jesus, but it also is a cautionary tale for those who don't. You know, that he comes to be the Savior of the world, but also to be the judge, and and to, to there's a dividing line. Mm-hmm. And so to me, there's this, that may be a little bit of a downer kind of way to think about it, but to me, that's, that's also the, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's bigger than, but I think it it adds the appropriate weight to the to the imagery mm-hmm. as well. Much in the same way that people who I'm looking at your cross on the wall right now, mm-hmm. people who 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 have the 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 manger and the cross con, cross connected. Yeah, because there is the there is a hard line connection between the, the incarnation and the resurrection. It's what he came to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, that that also adds the proper weight to yeah. to christmas yeah um anyway guys thank you guys for showing up and if you if anyone's missed any one of our podcasts you can check us out on apple podcast google play spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast or on our website fpclakeland.org you can also find any one of our sermons on our youtube page just search fpc lakeland on uh, youtube all right thanks guys so much for uh talking with me see you next time